Tonight on NJ Spotlight News. An all-out war. Israel continues its attack on Gaza, leaving at least 1,500 dead on both sides of the border. Protests and fears growing here in the Garden State. My big concern is making sure my family gets out of this country safe. In order for us to see peace, we must first see justice. Also, hammering out a deal. Negotiations continue for the RWJ nurses and their sticking point for higher nurse-patient ratios remains. We're not giving up and you could see that with the 89% of nurses that voted to continue with their strike. Plus, failure to launch. Hoboken's first recreational cannabis dispensary was set to open but is now blocked by revised zoning laws. We have put every dime, every nickel, every penny into this dream, into this hope, into this business. And gotta know Jersey, our new political multimedia series designed to help you navigate the upcoming legislative election. What happens in Trenton affects our lives really more than what happens in Washington. NJ Spotlight News begins right now. Funding for NJ Spotlight News is provided by NJM Insurance Group, serving the insurance needs of residents and businesses for more than 100 years. Horizon Blue Cross Blue Shield of New Jersey, an independent licensee of the Blue Cross and Blue Shield Association. And by the PSEG Foundation. From NJPBS, this is NJ Spotlight News with Brianna Venosi. Good evening and thanks for joining us this Tuesday night. I'm Brianna Venosi. President Biden tonight making it crystal clear the United States stands with Israel. The president making remarks four days after an unprecedented attack by Hamas militants on Gaza, which he called an act of sheer evil, adding Israel had a right to respond, a response that's killed more than 830 people in Gaza since the conflict broke out on Saturday, according to the Palestinian Ministry of Health. The death toll in Israel at more than 1,000, according to to officials there. The White House is also confirming at least 14 American citizens are among the dead and another 20 or more Americans remain missing. Some are among the more than 100 hostages being held by Hamas, including civilians, entire families and young children. Israel's retaliation for the initial bloodshed has been swift, pounding Gaza with deadly airstrikes. The military threatening a complete siege of the densely populated strip, displacing more than 100,000 people and sending mass groups of injured Palestinians to overwhelmed hospitals. Here at home, emotions are running high as New Jersey residents with families in Israel and Gaza wait for word on whether their loved ones are safe. Senior correspondent Brenda Flanagan reports. As rockets roared into Israel, people ran for cover. Hamas terrorists invaded kibbutzes going house to house. Shockwaves immediately rocked friends and family back in New Jersey, where Union County resident Tamara Sheff's friend now sent her frantic text messages. She read, I'm not okay. I'm not okay. I cannot stop crying. I'm not okay. I'm all by myself. 
So immediately you take up, you take the phone. She's nine months pregnant. Reshef, who works with the Jewish Federation of Greater Metro West, tried to calm her friend, but later heard Nao's husband had been shot in the stomach. Both are hospitalized. As for Reshef's brother Shmuel, he's a reservist in Israel. I got a message um, last night in my family group. Uh, from Israel. My brother was drafted. He's one of thousands called up to join Israeli Defense Forces. That's hitting home here, too. And we were talking probably about, I want to say probably at least 100 North Jersey residents that are right now in the Israeli army and with a mass call up. And right now the numbers are 360,000 people called up. TNEC Councilman Mark Schwartz called from the airport in Frankfurt, Germany. He's one of the lucky few who've managed to get flights home. The Hamas attack caught many New Jersey families visiting Israel over religious holidays off guard. Now that most airlines have canceled service to and from Israel, getting home to Jersey won't be easy. We're expecting plane loads of people that will not be able to get out via United and via Delta, and we're going to have to get rebooked. You know, my, my, my big concern is making sure my family gets out of this country safe and is not uh, entangled and get caught up in, in the war uh, in any which way, shape, or form. Teenex Deputy Mayor Ellie Katz says his family has tickets to Dubai as many flee the war any way they can. Lakewood Rabbi Moshe Weisberg is currently staying near Jerusalem and describes a tense emotional atmosphere. He's already witnessed many burials. It's an extremely, extremely sad. I mean, my wife is actually sobbing now. We probably passed by it an hour ago and, and just the after effects of of seeing, you know, one after the other. Weisberg called the Hamas attack Israel's version of 9-11 and says it will only lead to more suffering. But it's clear that both Israelis and Palestinians will continue to die in this conflict. Pro-Israel supporters in Short Hills and across New Jersey rallied, promising U.S. support, as did President Biden. Israel's prime ministers vowed vengeance and retaliated by shelling Gaza and blocking all vital supplies into a territory where over half the population lives beneath the poverty line. Passaic County resident Najwa Al-Sadi says her sister and niece live in Gaza. They are destroyed emotionally and physically. They cannot sleep. Uh, they cannot, they don't have food. They don't have water. Uh, it looks like they may even lose the shelter that they have. Uh, no medicine is allowed to get in or out of Gaza. She says families keep moving from house to house, warned that more rockets are incoming from Israel. At rallies like this one in Patterson, Palestinians demanded to be heard. Free, free Palestine! Free, free the Palestinian American Community Center called for an end to decades of Israeli occupation. We do not condone bloodshed. We don't condone the killing of any civilians. But this is a boiling point, and this is an opportunity for our leaders, for the international community to correct what is wrong. 75 years of occupation is too long. In order for us to see peace, we must first see justice. But in order for us to see justice, we must first see an end to the occupation of Palestine. But right now, there's no end in sight. I'm Brenda Flanagan, NJ Spotlight News.
Three months and no deal. The nurses at Robert Wood Johnson University Hospital in New Brunswick are still on the picket line. The nurses union and hospital continued to negotiate after a meeting on Friday with a federal mediator. Each side, though, digging in their heels while meeting today. And as senior correspondent Joanna Gagas reports, the tone is growing more bitter. Hopefully we have a fair contract where safe staffing is implemented. That's what we really want is a contract and go back to work. Nurses from Robert Wood Johnson University Hospital entered into another day of negotiations with their employer today after failing to reach an agreement during a mediation session on Friday where a federal monitor was present. We're not giving up and you could see that with the 89% of nurses that voted to continue with their strike. We are fighting for something that we do believe in and we want nurses to come into this profession knowing that we are doing the right thing for all the people that we are taking care of. It's day 67 of the strike that's left workers without health benefits since September 1st and that's brought out the raw emotion of the messy negotiating process and of a job that can be grueling in and of itself. If I didn't love what I do, we wouldn't be here. You know, we all work together hard. You know, all of us work together well, even with the doctors and all the ancillary staff and all my fellow colleagues. We all help each other. Doesn't matter if it's our patient or not. We still help each other and we're always there for them. It's not just about doing a task and just giving medications and going home on time. We spend time with our patients genuinely. The hospital has called the nurses' demands untenable outlier positions and say their calls for higher nurse-to-patient ratios actually exceed current staffing levels proposed in legislation that the union claims to support. Some of the units do have the safe staffing ratios, but other units do not, and we're trying to fight that where all of us have the safe staffing. As these negotiations drag out, both the nurses union and the hospital have pointed out that nearly $80 million has been spent so far on temporary nurses, filling the gaps of those on strike. It's very sad that that money couldn't have went back into helping us get our contract and helping us move it along. Um, you know, that's, they look at a contract as being a long term. They look at the temporary employees as being a short term, 80 million, it's still a lot of money. It's still a lot of money that should have never happened that way. How could you have better seen that 80 million spent in terms of what you're asking for? More staff, better, better staffing. That's all we would ask for, permanent staff. The hospital said in a statement if there was any validity to the union's claims that staffing is not safe, then it would propose that the hospital hire more nurses instead of proposing that nurses receive an additional $20 per hour. But Danella says a pay raise was never the sticking point and they've already agreed to a moderate increase. It would be a 4% raise, which is pretty much as, I don't even know if that meets the cost of living, but it's 4%. She thinks the agreement is stalled because this deal could have a ripple effect on the entire RWJ Barnabas Health System, which is an underwriter of NJ Spotlight News. I think they're looking at us as um, the flagship hospital, and every other hospital will want what we get. I, I believe that is part of the issues. Issues they hope can be ironed out before the end of this week. In Iceland, I'm Joanna Gagas, NJ Spotlight News. Top leaders in the Patterson Police Department are suing New Jersey's Attorney General, asking the courts to terminate the state takeover of the embattled department. 
A lawsuit filed Friday by the ousted police chief Engelbert Ribeiro and acting police director Mirza Mark Blur says the attorney general violated the state constitution and home rule laws when his office took control of Patterson PD. The takeover followed years of controversies within the force, including police shootings and deaths while in custody, along with an FBI corruption probe. A spokesperson for Attorney General Matt Platkin's office says the suit is, quote, as unfortunate as it is meritless and reflects the problems within the department that necessitated a state intervention. State officials also argue the takeover is working, pointing to data showing violent crime was down significantly this summer compared to the same time last year. Patterson Mayor Andre Say isn't part of the lawsuit but said on Monday he's supporting the effort. Meanwhile, embattled U.S. Senator Bob Menendez is still digging in his heels over a potential 2024 re-election bid. That's despite calls from more than half of Senate Democrats for the indicted senior senator to resign amid federal bribery and corruption charges, alleging Menendez and his wife accepted hundreds of thousands of dollars in bribes in exchange for political favors. And a new investigation by the attorney general's office into a fatal 2018 car crash by his wife Nadine, which is facing fresh scrutiny for its connection to the indictment and whether law enforcement followed proper protocol after the crash. Katie Sobko is a statehouse reporter for the Bergen Record and was part of the team that broke the story about the fatal accident. She joins me now. Katie, thanks so much for joining me. You know, this was one line in that 39-page indictment that Nadine Menendez had been in a car crash, and yet you and your team unfolded what is in and of itself an entire other scandal. Talk to me about that. Well, yeah, we um, obviously, everyone everywhere did great reporting on the indictment itself, and it took days and weeks to delve through the entire thing. And during that time, we had started hearing rumblings in Bergen County that um, things weren't quite as they seem in terms of what that car crash entailed. Um, so we heard what town it could have been in. Then it kind of got narrowed to what year it could have been. Um, and we did, you know, local boots on the ground sort of reporting, got the public records and, and found out that it was um, in it was actually a fatal car crash. Uh, a man lost his life and it was just kind of glossed over or breezed past in the indictment. And it was something that we felt needed to be shared. Yeah, and the dash camera uh, video that you all obtained uh, was was very chilling uh, and, and very uh, gripping to watch. Because of your reporting, the attorney general's office is now investigating whether or not the Bogota police properly handled the case. Do we know anything about where that investigation stands? Well, the attorney general's office and, and the governor's office don't comment on law enforcement operations, don't comment on investigations. So we aren't sure exactly the, the breadth or the depth of what exactly they're investigating. But we do know that they are looking into it, looking into exactly what protocols were followed or won't, weren't on that night. And um, we're, we're hoping that, that this materializes into to something a little more concrete and we 
we get the full story of what happened that night in Pagoda. Yeah, well, there are still gaps, correct? Have you been able to fill in any of those pieces as far as the time gap between when uh, the video starts uh, and when the accident actually happened, or any more details about the folks who were on the scene? We are actively reporting on what more happened on the scene, on what happened leading up to the crash and what happened afterwards. We have a, a great team at the record that is still working uh, day and night around the clock to, to try and paint the full picture. And also there were other law enforcement agencies that turned up. The Bergen County Sheriff's Department, the Bergen County Prosecutor's Office were on hand. So it's not just Bogota. We're trying to see exactly who all was there for how long and why. Mm, yeah. Is there anything else, Katie, that right now, as we sit here, still stands out to you in the indictment? As I mentioned, this was one line. You all took it and ran with it, investigated it to its fullest. Are there any other items in there that, to you, are glaring and, and may tell a deeper story? I think that there are a lot of small details especially in the way that the um, that Nadine communicated with the three businessmen that were also uh, charged. They're, we don't know a lot about that. Everyone knows who Senator Menendez is, his background, but there are still a lot of uh, details that aren't known about his wife and the other three businessmen. So I think over time, the record and all of the other New Jersey papers and tri-state area outlets are, are going to keep looking into what exactly happened leading up to the indictment and who all the players are. All right. Katie Sobko is the State House reporter for NorthJersey.com and the Bergen Record. Katie, thanks so much. Thank you. In our spotlight on Business Report, a Hoboken business owner is fighting to open its doors. The city's first adult-use cannabis dispensary got approval at both the state and local level, but now Blue Violet Dispensary is facing a lawsuit from a local group arguing the store's location near a school violates zoning laws, guidelines that were changed after the dispensary got approved. Melissa Rose Cooper has the story. We have put every dime, every nickel, every penny into this dream, into this hope, into this business. A business Lauren Chang Thompson and her husband Max believe would be open by now. But instead, the doors to their cannabis dispensary, Blue Violets in Hoboken, remain shut. It's frustrating. It's a little scary. Um, again, we are just, myself and my husband, we are small business owners. It is all of our savings. We've been doing this for almost the last two years, two and a half years. It seems like it's been almost five. The couple became the first recreational cannabis applicant to receive receive full approval from both the state and the city of Hoboken. But while attempting to get the dispensary up and running, the group Hoboken for Responsible Cannabis challenged its location for being too close to a school. As we were going through that process, the law had changed on us. Hoboken changed its ordinances and prohibited our location. Originally, we weren't allowed to be on the same block as a school, which we are not, and the rule was changed to say you can't be within 600 feet of a school, which we are. So even though we had already started the process, um, and typically under the state's laws, developers, when you start the land use process, you get the protection of the rules in place at the time you applied. But because of this new cannabis review board, we didn't get that protection. It's a brand new board that the state's law didn't really account for. So when we tried to go to the planning board, the planning board agreed that we were grandfathered and could continue. But last month, a judge ruled in favor of Hoboken for Responsible Cannabis and vacated Blue Violet's zoning approval. I thought that Blue Violets was in a, would have had a time of application protections um, because they did start their cannabis uh, business process 
uh, during a different set of rules. Councilman Joe Quintero says when the city revised its ordinances prohibiting a dispensary within 600 feet of a school, it was supposed to apply to future applicants, not instances like Blue Violets, where approval had already been given. However, it turns out the consequences of that, based on this judge's opinion, were that uh, we were we essentially changed the rules out from under uh, Blue Violet's feet, which again, uh, from my perspective, was not the intention, uh, but it was the result, uh, unfortunately, and, and they now find themselves in the current situation. The Cannabis Regulatory Commission declined to comment on a lawsuit, but members of Hoboken for Responsible Cannabis say they're happy with the judge's ruling since Blue Violence didn't submit a complete application to the planning board until after the ordinance went into effect, adding in a statement, the dispensary is too close to the school, breaking our local ordinance, but when we brought it up to the city, the planning board and our local representatives, they would not listen to us. It didn't have to get this far if the residents' voices had only been heard from the beginning. We have a license, right? We followed the process in good faith and had reason to believe that the process would be upheld as we were prescribed to do it. We did everything right, so why wouldn't this work? Unfortunately, it didn't work out for us, and now we're trying to figure out our options. The couple is in talks with their lawyer to see what legal options they can pursue, but they intend to continue fighting until Blue Violets is finally open. For NJ Spotlight News, I'm Melissa Rose Cooper. Turning to Wall Street, investors are still assessing the impact of the Israel-Hamas conflict. Here's a look at today's closing trading numbers. We're less than a month out to the next statewide election where all 120 seats in the New Jersey legislature are on the ballot. And if recent history is any indication, only about a quarter of all registered voters will exercise one of the most important rights as a citizen. In an effort to change that and get New Jerseyans more engaged with the electoral process, our NJ Spotlight News team is launching a new multimedia series titled, fittingly, Gotta Know Jersey. Senior writer and projects manager Colleen O'Day is here to explain. Colleen, great to have you on Gotta Know Jersey. Where did this start? You all have been working on this for some time, and it's really about just getting the public engaged with the very basics of voting. Yeah, you know, after the primary, I spoke with lots of people, and the turnout is just so abysmal. And the one thing that kept coming up was a lack of civics education, a, lot, a lack of people really understanding. So, uh, you know, thought about it and said, we should really do something to try to change that, to try to get people the information. So we put together this awesome team of folks on the broadcast side, social media, folks on the digital side, uh, our wonderful graphics person, and we've been working on this series of videos, and we were really excited to launch it. Yeah, I mean, it's a really great hub. Just if you've never voted before or maybe your first time, now you're eligible, you just turned 18. I mean, what kind of things can people expect to learn here? Walk us through what we'll find. Um, you know, so the very first part we thought was important to say is legislative elections are really important because what happens in Trenton 
affects our lives really more than what happens in Washington when you when you think about it, from the idea that uh, we have the full range of reproductive health care, including access to abortion, despite what the Supreme Court did, to the fact that we don't have to pump our own gas, which I know is a little controversial. I happen to like not doing it. I happen to be on the same page as you. <laughs> um, but, but, you know, so we're starting out there, and then we want to explain, because the election is coming up really quickly, um, and the the deadline to register is next Tuesday. How do you register if you're not registered? How do you check your registration to make sure your registration hasn't lapsed? And then how to vote? Because it's not as easy as just getting up on Election Day anymore and walking into a polling place. Especially now because there are so many different options. Let's actually take a look at one of those videos uh, on how to vote. Voting isn't just your civic duty. It's your right. It's your chance to make your voice heard and help determine who's in charge of getting things done. And it can be intimidating, but we've got you covered when it comes to New Jersey. But before you can vote, you need to get registered. You must be at least 18 years old, a U.S. citizen, and not incarcerated for a serious offense. New Jersey makes it relatively easy with automatic registration when you get your driver's license. But not everyone drives, so you may have to register a different way. Well, that's a lot of fun, actually. Um, I enjoyed watching that. So, okay, where do you go from here? Folks are educated. They see now, although that they pay attention, it seems, more to national news than local. Where can they then take this information to help them stay engaged? Yeah, so... So we want them out to the polls. We want them to be registered. We want them to, to get out and vote um, either early using a mail-in ballot, early in person right before the election, or go out there on Election Day. And, you know, we've got future videos coming up to try to help maybe, again, convince people why this is important. So we want to tell people what is the legislature exactly. Mm -hmm. um, and we've got our own version of uh, that famous schoolhouse rock, I'm um, just a bill. Yes. We're, we're, we're hoping to tell people how a bill becomes law in and, New Jersey. And who are you targeting specifically? I mean, is this meant for, for anybody? I'm thinking of students. Yeah, I mean, it's meant anybody can hopefully benefit from it. But yeah, we're targeting, especially with these first videos, the college age students, people who are eligible to vote, um, as well as, you know, we'd, we'd love to see high schools and middle schools schools maybe even embrace some of these and, and use these to help uh, teach kids how it is that our legislature works. And not to mention there are a lot of adults who don't uh, also exercise their right to vote. Gotta know Jersey. Colleen O'Day, thank you so much. Thank you very much, Bree. Check out the whole Gotta Know Jersey page and test your own civics knowledge. Just head over to njspotlightnews.org. That's going to do it for us tonight, but don't forget to download the NJ Spotlight News podcast so you can listen anytime. I'm Brianna Venozzi. For the entire NJ Spotlight News team, thanks for being with us. Have a great evening. We'll see you right back here tomorrow. The members of the New Jersey Education Association, making public schools great for every child. RWJ Barnabas Health. Let's be healthy together. And Orsted, committed to the creation of a new, long-term, sustainable, clean energy future for New Jersey.